Good morning. Welcome to another episode of the End Time Blog Podcast. I'm Elizabeth Prada. And right now, I'm on vacation. So what was I writing about nine years ago today? I thought I'd look up an old essay from the past and see what I was writing about almost a decade ago. And what it was on this date nine years ago was about finding God's will for your life. Always a timely topic. So enjoy this essay from the past, in which, in my opinion, is still current. Now, true Christians are consumed with obeying God and serving him because we love him so much. That's why so many people say they want to find God's will for their life. Finding God's will is at the top of the list in ways we want to serve him. Christians ache when we feel we're missing out on doing service for God and we fear. What if I'm not finding it? We wonder. What if he wants me to be a missionary in Burma and I haven't read the signs correctly and I'm just here in Dayton, not doing much? The kind of things that we worry about. Well, back uh, 10 years ago or so, the book Radical by David Platt touched on this invisible fear that many Christians have. The book Radical is, according to Kevin DeYoung, an all-out Assault on Cheap Grace, Easy Believism, and Consumer Christianity. Well, that's a good thing. And it's against the Christian laziness that often comes with the comforts that we have here in America. And I agree that those things should be avoided and denounced. But despite the softening language, David Platt's overall tone in his book, Radical, is that we should throw it all over, sell all our stuff, and run off to Burma as a missionary. That's what I took from the book when it came out. It touched a movement. Now, DeYoung admires that Platt has five concerns in the book, and DeYoung mentions this one fourth. Quote DeYoung, I worry that radical and crazy Christianity cannot be sustained. If the message of Jesus translates into give more away or sacrifice for the gospel or get more radical, we will end up with burned out evangelicals. Even when Jesus said his hard sayings, and he said a lot of them, it was not his basic stump speech. His message was repent and believe in the gospel. Mark 1.15. When Jesus challenged the crowds to count the cost or let the dead bury their dead, it was to make clear that following him was not all about miracles and wonders. It was about giving him preeminence. The emphasis was doxological first and foremost. Worship Christ. Believe in Christ. Walk with Christ. And therefore, before you follow Christ, be prepared for opposition. I'll continue with a quote from David, uh, from Kevin DeYoung on David Platt's book that DeYoung has concerns about. Quote, 
I don't worry for David Platt's theology, but I worry that some young Christians reading this book might walk away wondering if a life spent working as a loan officer or just tithing to their church and praying for their kids and learning to love Christ more and serving in Sunday school could possibly be pleasing to God. We need to find a way to attack the American dream while still allowing for differing vocations. And that sort of ordinary Christian life that plods along for 50 years. I imagine David Platt wants this same thing. I'm just not sure it came through consistently in the book. And quote from Kevin DeYoung expressing his concerns of David Platt's book, Radical, when it came out about 10 years ago. Well, I do worry for David Platt's theology. <clears throat> I think time has shown that the Platt approach to um, crazy energy, radical Christianity could not be sustained and that David Platt has gone woke, and believes in Muslim dreams, converting Muslims and uh, more. But anyway, that book was a catalyst for the lurking doubts that rest in many Christians, that they aren't doing enough, that they're missing their purpose. And I say here, thanks a bunch, Rick Warren, because he added to that angst with his books about the purpose-driven life. So what is the answer to the nagging questions? Are we serving God in the way he wants us to serve him? Well, the answer is, if you know me, you know what I'll say next, the Bible. God wrote down about himself. He wanted us to know about him. And he put in his word, inspired by the Holy Spirit, what he wants us to do and not do, and to take comfort in his promises. His purpose for us is in there. And he has several purposes for us all. All. First, God wants us to believe in his son. That is our primary purpose in life. The, the Bible says the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Mark 1.15 Look also at 2 Peter 3.9 and Acts 22.16 After belief, we are to be a witness, teaching and making disciples. That is the Christian's purpose in life, wherever God has chosen to station us on this earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Matthew 28, 19-20 our chief purpose in Christian life is to glorify God. 1 Corinthians 6, 19-20 says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you are bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. This next part is from John MacArthur outlined from his essay, 
how to live for God's glory. One, confess your sins. 1 John 1, 9. Two, bear fruit. John 15, 8. Three, give praise to God. Psalm 50, 23. Be content. Philippians 4, 11. Pray according to God's will. John 14, 13. Then proclaim God's word. 2 Thessalonians 3, 1. Doing these things will please God. It is our purpose in life to confess, bear fruit, praise him, display contentment in all circumstances, to pray and proclaim. Now, in the past, it's true in the Bible that God made it clear to those whom he chose as to what their purpose was. He was Moses was directly told he was to be God's prophet. Jeremiah was to preach repentance and David was to be king, and God spoke through a burning bush, a cloud, a still small voice, and even a donkey. He said what he said clearly and definitively and directly. But just because God isn't directly speaking anymore to individuals doesn't mean he's not speaking at all. Hebrews 1 1 to 2 says that God's final word is through his son. And we read that in um, Hebrews 1, 1 to 2, long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. So his son is the word and his word can be found in the Bible. And that is where we find our purpose. But people still wonder or ask themselves, but what if I'm called to be a missionary or a preacher or to do certain work in a certain place as a layman? I mean, how will I know if there is a specific purpose for me? Well, do we think that just because he doesn't come down and speak to us directly through a burning bush, a donkey that we can't understand if he has a specific call for our lives or that he can't or won't make it clear god is excuse me god is powerful as spurgeon praised him and his power so eloquently quote he changes not in his attributes whatever the attributes of god were of old they are now And each of them we may sing, as was in the beginning, is now, and shall ever be, world without end. Amen. Was he powerful? Was he the mighty God when he spoke the world out of the womb of non-existence? Was he the omnipotent when he piled the mountains and scooped out the hollow places for the rolling deep? Yes, he was powerful then. And his arm is unpalsied now. He is the same giant in his might. The sap of his nourishment is undried. And the strength of his soul stands the same forever. That was the always eloquent Charles Spurgeon on God's unchanging power. So he has the power to instill in you the burning desire to be a preacher. As he did Paul. 
1 Corinthians 9.16, or Jeremiah, Jeremiah 29. Has he given the gift of teaching to you? Well, do people remark on your teaching or preaching, whether you've done it impromptu or in formal settings? Ephesians 4.11 applies here. Even if we have submitted to his obvious working of circumstances in our lives so that we are now beginning to understand his specific purpose, he will also still sovereignly work to guide you within it. See Paul in Acts 16, 6 to 8. Quote, and they went through the region of Phrygia, Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. When they had come up to Mysia and attempted to go to Bithynia, the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So, passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. In the next verse, Paul received a vision of where he was in fact to go. Now, nowadays we don't receive direct visions like this anymore. But do we not think the Spirit isn't still working and guiding us within our lives to his purpose? Well, of course he is. Because that's what it's all about. God's purpose, not our purpose. We believe, submit, and serve. Just put one foot in front of the other until circumstances illuminate to you that things might be changing. He guides and organizes the rest. Do we believe God is so timid that our busy lives can block him out? And that's even remotely possible for us to miss a specific purpose he has outlined for us? No. God had a purpose and he wanted Queen Esther to be part of its fulfillment. Esther's uncle Mordecai was talking to her about doing it. It seems that Esther already had an inkling about what she was to do, and her uncle Mordecai cemented it. We usually focus on the last part of Mordecai's answer for such a time as this, but what about the first part? Quote, then Mordecai told them to reply to Esther, do not think to yourself that in the king's palace you will escape any more than all the other Jews. For if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Esther 4, 14 to 15. Mordecai had said, if you keep silent, Relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place. So you see, God providentially works all things to the good. And we're not so powerful that if we miss his call, he's not so tenuous that it all falls apart if we refuse it. God has a purpose. If you know what your purpose is, you will, because God makes it clear. And if you refuse that call to be a missionary or a preacher or whatever, God will still fulfill what he wants to fulfill. His plans are immutable. And here I'm reminded of a story that John MacArthur told. He was a big sports guy all his life and in high school and college. 
he he played football in college and was on a track, um, his own personal preferred track, to professional football playing and was actually being vetted by some professional football um, teams. He also felt at that time that the Lord wanted him to be a preacher, but he resisted that call. He wanted to be a football player. Well, there was a terrible car accident and his companions, several companions in the car were um, fine, but MacArthur was thrown out of the car and skidded on his back several hundred feet down the asphalt um, shoulder of the road. The car flipped and he was laying there with his skin torn off his back, rushed to the hospital and stayed there for many, many weeks, thinking and deciding and succumbing to God's will for his life. So God makes it known whether pleasantly or unpleasantly what he wants us to do if there is a specific call to our life, apart from the general call that all Christians have to repent, believe, make disciples. That is our purpose, to believe, witness, make disciples, and glorify him. We all have that purpose. And in addition, he sent the Spirit to dispense gifts as he wills, so that his purposes will be executed through us and by the fruits we bear by the Spirit's power. If he wants us to be a missionary or do something very specific, he'll make it known. I mean, Moses was 40 years old when we learned he killed a man, and Moses waited another 40 years till God used him for his last 40. Moses was directly used by God from age 80 to 120. So even one of the great patriarchs of the Bible was not called to a specific purpose till late in life, but Moses' entire life was used for God's purpose. Moses just didn't know it. And it's the same with us. Not everyone has a call to run off to Burma or preach to the masses. Most of us, I dare say, are simply operating in our mundane spheres, planting seeds, bearing fruit, persevering in the faith with joy. If we end up with a call to perform a specific purpose, trust that we will understand it when it comes. Until then, rest secure in his providence and his power. It's not our purpose in life that's the point, but God's purposes. Well, this has been another episode of the End Time Vlog Podcast. Thank you for listening, and I hope you have a purposeful day.